Zalmana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today for episode 78. To start out today's show, I'd like to announce the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 77 was entered to win a copy of the beautiful book Lit Knits by Audrey Nicklin. I randomly chose between the comments left, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Rebecca, or Dusty Tree Knits on Ravelry. Congratulations. Rebecca, I will be in touch with you shortly to get your mailing information and to get this prize mailed on out to you. And to everyone else who entered, thank you so much for participating. There will be another drawing for you to enter that will be announced later in the episode. So firstly, I'd like to apologize for this episode being a little bit delayed. We've had quite a terrible month in our family with sickness. Our entire family of four has had the flu, and my eight-year-old daughter even got pneumonia. So that's been fun. And then there's that crazy business of, you know, doing your taxes. Extra fun times, let me tell you. Also, I've been busy because in between the coughing and the paperwork, I've also gone on two out-of-town trips that I'd like to tell you about. First, I went to the store Monarch Knitting in the beautiful area of Pacific Grove. There, I did a book signing and taught a workshop. I had about 11 or 12 students, I think, in the class, and it was super fun. Just everything about the experience there was wonderful. It was a beautiful store. The owner and the employees were extremely gracious, and everyone there just made me feel really welcome. I really enjoyed seeing how they had my printed patterns and the knitted samples to go along with them showcased around the store, and the staff even was wearing items made from my patterns. So that was just really nice to see. As always, I also got to meet some very nice knitters during my visit. There was actually a husband and wife that took my class that were as cute as can be. They were an older couple who knit together, and the husband seemed to love knitting just as much as the wife. He was even wearing a vest that he had made. How awesome is that? I thought it was so great. And also, it made me just a little bit jealous because I wish my husband would knit with me. That would be so cool. I also met a wonderful knitter who shared with me that she has listened to my podcast while going through a very difficult time in her life. Apparently, this poor knitter had to endure chemotherapy treatments, I think she said five days a week, but the treatments left her so ill that she was unable to knit. So instead, she listened to this podcast to stay connected to the knitting community. Her and her story was just so sweet. It really touched my heart, and I was really glad to be able to meet this knitter. The only unfortunate thing about that beautiful weekend in the Pacific Grove area was that I overdid it just a little bit, and I kind of relapsed into sickness the following week. But I couldn't stay down for long, because the very next weekend, I went out of town again this time to San Francisco, California, 
to shoot the pictures for my next book, Botanical Knits 2. I chose the Golden Gate Park in San Francisco because not only is it an absolutely gorgeous place, it's like one of my favorite places to go when I visit that city, but also because every plant where I live seems to be, well, dead and brown. And we've just hardly gotten any rain this year, and there's no greenery in sight. And that wouldn't look very good for a book called Botanical Knits, you know? So I knew that the Golden Gate Park would be a great lush atmosphere for photos, and I was right. We spent an entire day shooting, and the pictures turned out really, really nice. The book is now being put together with the graphic designer, and I am so excited. Hopefully by the next episode, it'll be very close to being completely done. I can't wait to share it with all of you. I'll plan on going into more detail about each pattern in the following episode. As regards to my personal knitting projects, I happened to fall in love with a baby sweater during my visit to Monarch Knitting a few weekends ago. They had this little hanging display of the most adorable little tiny sweaters, and the Gramps cardigan caught my eye and stole my heart. And before I knew it, I was gathering up armfuls of new yarn to purchase for it. It was the epitome of an impulse buy. Now this pattern is called Gramps, but it's not to be confused with the other Gramps cardigan that I made for my son before he was born. That pattern was a cabled shawl-collared cardigan by Kate Oates. And this is a plain stockinette stitch shawl-collared cardigan by the designer Emily Wessel. The sweater is more plain, but the details the designer included really caught my eye. There's a contrasting colored yarn used for the button bands and cuffs on the sweater, as well as the shawl collar. And there's also these cute tiny little pockets. But my absolute favorite part of the sweater are the reverse stockinette stitch elbow patches that are knit separately and then sewn on. Now I've seen commercial suede patches added to the elbows of sweaters before, but never knitted ones. And it's just really cute. I know that my two-year-old son is going to look so handsome in this sweater, and I cannot wait to finish it for him and to see what it looks like on. I must also mention that I really appreciated the way that the collar of the sweater is constructed. Firstly, you pick up stitches on the wrong side of the fabric so that you don't see that ugly seam ridge where the collar is folded down. Also, the pattern tells you to increase stitches on the back neck to help the collar lay right. In other shawl collared sweater patterns I've made, I've never seen these techniques used before, so I'm interested to see how it benefits the finished item. I think it'll really make it look sharp. These details really made me appreciate how much thought the designer put into the pattern. I'm knitting my son's little sweater in a gray blackstone tweed yarn by Barocco with a dark skein of Madeline Tosh Vintage for the contrasting color. So it's a nice play on differing textures as well. Currently, I've finished the body of the sweater and I'm now working on that collar. Collars are a funny thing. They seem like no big deal before you start them, but as you're knitting, they take so much time. It's feeling like I'm putting just as much time into the collar 
as I did in knitting the entire sweater. And it's taking a ton of yarn too. Colors are deceiving in that way. Currently, I find myself on a toddler sweater knitting kick. It's like all I'm interested in at the moment. And I have many future sweaters planned out. As I finish these little sweaters, I'll plan on sharing pictures on my blog so that you can check them out for yourself. In today's episode, I have another great book to share with you. And this one I'm super excited about. It was sent to me by Interweave Press, and the book is entitled The Art of Seamless Knitting by Simona Merchant Dest and Faina Goberstein. Simona and Faina, if you or one of your friends is listening to this podcast, I apologize. I am probably completely butchering your names, but I did try my best. Anyways, this book is very informative because it teaches the reader circular knitting construction and how to adapt flat lace, cable, and color patterns to circular knitting techniques. Very interesting, and that's all fine and good. I really appreciated that section, but if it was me, I would be buying this book just for the patterns. The book includes 11 seamless projects that are to die for. We are talking gorgeous sweaters and accessories. With interesting cables and textured stitches, a sweater knitter's personal knitting paradise. Every one of them looks interesting and really fun to knit. They're all beautifully designed and constructed. In another life, where I would have nothing to do all day except knit, I'd be making all of these. So I invite you to check out this book. I'll be providing a link to all of the beautiful projects on Ravelry for you to take a look at. And as always, I have a copy of the book generously provided to me by the publisher in Reef Press to give away to one of you listening. If you'd like to enter to win, please hop on over to my blog and leave a comment under the show notes of this episode. That's episode 78. And you'll want to do this by February 15th. Remember, only one comment per person, please. And don't forget to leave your contact information. I'll be announcing the winner on the next episode. Well, everyone, we've come to my favorite part of the podcast. It's story time. This episode's personal knitting story was contributed by podcast listener Alisa Koren. Elisa works as a professional songwriter, musician, and performing artist, and this is her story entitled, Lessons from Knitting. It took me more than 25 years and many starts to knit more than a few tangled rows of anything. If I'd only known how much knitting could teach me about my life, I might have gotten hooked on it a lot earlier. My first tries at knitting ended in failure. When I was 13, my mother taught me the basics of knit and purl, and I was really eager to make my first scarf. I made it through four rows. It was just too hard to get my fingers to make the shapes I needed for the yarn to go where it was supposed to go. Then, as a teenager, the prospect of spending hours at something before I was good at it was just too daunting. 
A couple of decades later, I moved to rural Minnesota from New York City, and all my neighbors were knitters. Every silent auction or craft shop had piles of hand-knit gloves and scarves and hats and sweaters. So I figured I ought to try again. This time, I got myself some fancy alpaca yarn that I couldn't keep my hands off of. I had only enough for a small headband, and I only got halfway through the small headband before I noticed a couple of unremediable mistakes and threw the project into the back of the closet where it sat in a tangle for a few more years. Finally, a friend of mine who happens to be a magnificent and larger-than-life artist named Pam Robinson managed to get me far enough into a sock that I finished it. It helped that Pam had years of experience teaching art to petulant kids, because well into my 30s, I was pretty much the equivalent of a petulant kid when it came to knitting. This time, I got much further than I had before. Okay, I admit that I only got through one sock of the pair before I realized I didn't have enough yarn for the whole pattern, but that first sock was the beginning of a whole new relationship with knitting. Today, I crave the feel of fiber running through my fingers, and I cleave to the sentiment that friends don't let friends use acrylic. I can wax poetic over a skein of rich merino worsted or a fuzzy ball of alpaca lace, but the true gift of knitting and the reason that I, like Alana, try to never not be knitting is how knitting readies me for the challenges of every day. Here are the four things that knitting taught and still regular teaches me. First, patience. Patience is my nemesis. Impatience might very well be my middle name, and yet when I am patient, things tend to work better than when I'm not. Since I knit so slowly, I've had to learn to get over my need for immediate gratification and immerse myself in the meditative pleasure of knitting's repetitive motion. Lo and behold, after sitting down with my blanket night after night, weekend after weekend, coffee break after coffee break, square after square, my piles of yarn turn ever so slowly into the log cabin blanket I was trying to make. Every time I want to scream because something just isn't happening fast enough in the rest of my life, I remember my knitting. And it's just a little bit easier to remember that if I wait long enough, there will be a metaphorical cozy blanket at the end of my journey. Or, if nothing else, a literal cozy blanket to curl up under on the couch in my office. Knitting lesson number two. Mistakes are not the end of the world. This one's really hard for me. I'm a perfectionist, and I want everything to be perfect. Everything I do, everything and everyone I interact with, it is a terrible affliction. I'm my own worst critic. I'm never satisfied. Well, it's not actually just because I'm a relatively new knitter. It's because I'm a human being, I make mistakes. A lot of mistakes. Take the wingspan shawl I made. First, I miscalculated the amount of Mountain Colors wool yarn it would take. Then, I kept forgetting to add the stitches that made the little pointy bits stick out at the edge of the shawl, which, let's face it, was the whole point of the pattern. So what happened? First, I kept having to undo hours and hours of work when I realized I'd left out a pointy bit well down the road. Then, I ran out of yarn halfway through. But guess what? All this meant was that I had to put a few more hours of work in, and then I figured out that I had some awesome yarn in my stash that would make the shawl even more interesting. Ultimately, I ended up with a completed shawl, some good learned lessons about how to cast on in the middle of a garment, and some really cool color work that I'm wearing right now as I speak. So, as with the shawl, knitting teaches me that mistakes can sometimes be my friend. 
My third life lesson from knitting has been steady as she goes wins the race, or the whole tortoise and the hare thing. Remember that old yarn? Yes, the pun is intended. That one about the race between the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise won because though he was slow, he kept going, and the hare got all huffy about how fast he was and took a nap in the middle of the race and forgot to wake up, and the tortoise won. Well, I never quite believed in that fable, because I related to the hare. I was faster and therefore better, and I wasn't going to be taking a nap in the middle of the race. But you see, now that I'm a bit older, and I realize that when I rush through my life, I forget to enjoy it, I understand why the hare ended up taking a nap. And uh, I notice sometimes in my own life, I can't help but take naps because I'm running so fast. Knitting teaches me that if I just commit to doing a little at a time, ultimately the little adds up to a lot, and I don't ever have to feel overwhelmed or exhausted along the way. It's hard for me to admit, but now I see how the tortoise is always the winner in the end. My fourth life lesson from knitting is a nice big happy bonus, and that is knitting increases serotonin. Serotonin makes me happy, therefore I want to knit more. You see, I suffer from depression, and it, you know, it's manageable, but anything that increases the happy chemicals in my brain is something that I want more of. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that is believed to contribute to feelings of well-being, and studies show that knitting and repetitive needlework decrease stress hormones and increase serotonin and dopamine. So knitting is kind of similar to yoga and meditation in how beneficial it is to our health. But if I'd ever only realized how good knitting would make me feel, how it could turn my frown upside down, I would have made a habit of it long ago. So there you are. Knitting is not only a hobby worthy of addiction, a pastime worthy of the aspiration to never not be doing it, knitting is also one of the best models for living a good life that I've ever found. Thank you again, Elisa, so much for sharing your story with all of us. I hope that you enjoyed hearing from Elisa as much as I did, and that you'll check out her website at alisacaren.com. I'll be providing a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Also, if you listening have a story in mind that you would like to share on the podcast sometime, I invite you to please get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your story. And I always really appreciate it when people contribute. It's what makes this podcast truly unique. Well, everyone, this pretty much wraps up today's episode, but I do have one last final announcement. If you live in the California area and are planning on attending Stitches West this year in Santa Clara, California, I invite you to please stop by my booth and say hello. I'll be sharing booths 1139 and 1141 with the fabulous Lisa Sanchez from Becoming Art Yarns Again, and I'll have lots of new stuff to show this year. I'll be bringing all of the knitted samples from the books Coastal Knits, Botanical Knits, and my upcoming book, Botanical Knits 2. I'll have all my patterns and books there, as always. I will also have some patterns and books by other designers. I'll have the Knitbot line by my friend Hannah Fettig, as well as some Quince and Company patterns and books to show. 
So please come by. I'd love to see everyone again, and I'd love to give you a little preview of all the new designs I've been working on this past year. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 78, and I hope you'll listen to next month's episode at the end of February, episode 79. Until next time! She won't even do the dishes The houseplants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear There's yarn in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry It's even in the washer and dryer That's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, "Get up, let's go." But she can't set down her project She says Just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad mad. She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had